Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sunbury Motors product line, great. It'll fit your lifestyle. Service departments, uh, the, the sales staff, incredible. They want to fit your budget and make sure that the vehicle fits you and a service department that protects that investment for the life of your car. That is Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The best in the business. All right. Uh, Dave Revson of BTN in just a few moments. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Butler at the wire at Hinkle last night, the home of Hoosiers beating Villanova. Baldwin with the ball. Six seconds left. Kamar looks up. Working against Gillespie. Baldwin for the win. Yes! Very similar to the call that uh, Sue made on one of the Tyler field goals at the end of a game. I think it was Ernie Tyler. You remember that, don't you? That one yeah. I do, yes. Yeah. Very similar, I thought. <laughs> what? It's kind it's of true, call. I guess. No, it was a great call by the suit. It was. It was a great call by him. Now there were a series of mistakes on there that I pointed out to my class, but that's okay. It was no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just a joke. It was a great call. Great call. All right. Guy makes a great call always. You know, I think you when you look at NFL network, for example, Rich Eisen is a tremendous signature voice on NFL network. Well, Dave Revson is to BTN what Rich Eisen is to the NFL network. Signature voice, but Dave is just a great guy. Uh, we had a great conversation the other day. As always, every time we see each other, we I always want to talk to him because I just think he's the, this, you know. And we talk about more than just basketball and football. For goodness' sakes, you know he's got he's got three uh, three kids all in high school right now. We've talked about three being in college all at the same time. So we talk about a lot more than just that. But with that, we bring in my good friend Dave Revson from BTN. Hello, Dave. Well, likewise, Steve. I always enjoy catching up, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure we served, solved all the world's problems, but we we at least made a very thorough attempt at figuring out what was going on in Big Ten basketball. And let's be honest, that's really all that's within our power. That's so it all good. exactly right. That is all within our power. Uh, I gave Iowa as an example. Uh, they slugged it out at Maryland. Maryland won. Then they slugged it out with Illinois at home. Won, and then last night got crushed. To me, that's that's what the Big Ten is this year. You don't know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that was uh, that was a disappointing performance oh, by Iowa. I yeah. mean, my goodness. I, I 
I really felt like they were past that. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if you're a, an efficiency guy, but they gave yeah. up 1.55 points per possession. Yeah, I've got it which on Which is there. just unfathomable number in a Big Ten game. I mean, it's just it's just pathetic. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, and that's what they were a couple of years ago defensively, and I really felt like they were getting better. They're such a great offensive team. You know, Garza is an incredible matchup nightmare. I mean, you know, I think there's certainly some competition, but I think he's probably Big Ten player of the year right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, man, you know, just a no-show like that. And, and again, I, I understand. I mean, it was a that was a slugfest with Illinois. That was a really physical game. You only have two days in between, and I'm guessing one of those was probably an off day, yeah. if I had to guess. Probably, yeah. right? Probably yeah, Monday. Yeah, probably, so, yeah, I would agree, yeah. Probably Monday would have been an off. You have to have one. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I mean, maybe that's part of it, and Fran took a lot of the blame. I'm, I'm not in any way writing off this Iowa team, because I, I think they have the potential to be really, really good, but yeah. it just frightened me to see that they still have that in them. Yeah, I didn't I, think they had that in them anymore. Neither, I, I felt like they were past yeah, that. Yeah, neither did I. That's why I was just stunned by it. I mean, but Michigan State went in there, and they, they got hammered by Purdue. How, uh, how about this? I don't know if you saw this on our postgame show, Steve, I, I, but I think this is amazing. So this Purdue team, like think about Purdue basketball. And for those who don't know, Purdue has won more Big Ten championships yep. than any school. And you could probably win a, a trivia contest with that because I think people would probably guess a few others before yep. they arrived at Purdue. Right. So this is a program that's won more Big Ten championships than any school. That was their largest margin of victory ever against a ranked opponent. And, in fact, their three largest margins of victory ever against ranked opponents have all come this year. <laughs> against Virginia and against Michigan State. So think about a team that right now, if the NCAA tournament began, probably wouldn't make it, that has a great history of really good teams, and that this year has its three largest margins of victory over ranked teams. That, to me, makes almost no sense, but that's how crazy the Big Ten is this year. And was that close to getting in, into the Final Four last year as a program. I mean, yes. stunning. Uh, yeah. you, you had a chance for the second time this year to see Penn State in person because you did the Palestra game as well. What yep. did you think of the performance against Michigan State on Tuesday night? I thought it was great. I mean, the big thing that I would say was interesting because I did the game with Robbie Hummel, and then he and I had studio yesterday. And you know, when you're doing studio, obviously you're sitting in the green room, you're watching games, and, and you're chatting a lot and kind of catching up. and. I would say both of us, first of all, came out of that game exhilarated. I don't know if you felt the same way, yeah. but Robbie was telling me, so he drove home. I actually stayed overnight. He's like, I was just floating. I just, it was such a great game. It's like, you know, I just was so amped up, and, and I felt the same way. I just thought it was, it was two really good teams going head-to-head. But the thing we talked about yesterday in the green room was that it was not a fluke in any way, and not only was it not a fluke, but it didn't like feel like Penn State played an out-of-the-ordinary game, an out-of-the-ordinary good game, or that Michigan State played an out-of-the-ordinary bad game. So, like, within the margin of error for the team, but, you know, Michigan State was on its bad end and Penn State was on its good end. That wasn't what it was. Right. I just thought Penn State was better. I really did. I mean, I, I think man for man, they're a better team than Michigan State right now. Like, I, and, and it's I know that people have a hard time coming – to grips with that from both points of view because I think most of us assume Michigan State was going to win the league. They were the preseason number one team in the country for a variety of reasons. It has not worked out for them. 
Uh, they are still a good team. They're not great. Uh, but I think Penn State is has just found its groove, and they're really good. Their personnel all understand their roles on the team. It is very infrequent that they do something that makes you think, why in the world did they just do that? And those are the hallmarks of really good teams, and I just think they're a really good team. It's interesting you say that because I had said on the broadcast, because when I close the game, you know, you make a call at the close of the game. And I had said in the postgame, so you notice when I closed the game, I didn't say that Penn State has upset Michigan State because I didn't think it was an upset. But I also said that if you were a neutral fan watching that game, you love the game of college basketball even more so, just like the Illinois-Iowa game on Sunday. I thought they, you know, and the Maryland-Iowa game, for example. I just feel like games like that make you make you a fan because both teams played at high levels. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it reminded me in a lot of ways of the Pleasure game, actually. Yeah. Um, just because it was two really good teams, and Penn State just figured out a way to beat another really good team, and that's what the league is to a large extent this year, and that's why last night was so weird. Robbie and I were talking about that too afterward because here you had what on paper seemed like two really good te- two really good games. Right? Yeah. You have Wisconsin going into Minnesota, and you have Iowa going into Purdue, and they were both over. It felt like in the first ten minutes. So uh, that was unusual. I mean, I think what we've gotten more often than not in the league are games like you and I saw on Tuesday night, where it's just two really good teams. They play well. Uh, it was it was heartbreaking for Cassius Winston. I mean, to to see that, and and I understand a Penn State fan. You know, you obviously you want them to, to miss the free throw, and you want your team to win. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, anyone who understands what that young man's been through this year. I mean, I just, the astonishment on his face when he missed that free throw was, I mean, that will stick with me for a long time. And he was just, we had a great shot on our game broadcast of him like flabbergasted. Like he literally couldn't believe he had missed the best free throw shooter in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, I, in some ways you hate to see it, 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 it end that way just because of, of, of what a great kid he is and, and everything he's been through this year. Yeah. But um, but I still think Penn State won the game. Michigan State yeah. didn't lose it. Uh, they just they executed down the stretch when they needed to and, and came up with big shots and came up with big stops. Yeah, because he's been through a lot. I, I, I took a moment and talked and just gave him, you know, I said, I know it's late in the game, but I gave him my condolences. Cause I, just, I mean, what he's been through, nobody should have to go through. I mean, and, no. you know, and that's, and he's handled it so well he's played at an incredible level I'm not sure many people could do and handle it the way he has handled it because what happened to him was crushing yeah it was interesting in talking to Tom Izzo a little bit before the game on Tuesday and obviously there was a lot going on with the D'Antonio retirement but yeah. but we did get a little bit of time to <laughs> talk about the game and he was just saying you know Cassius's mom has been spending a ton of time on campus with him um, just to be close to him uh, and, and, you know, it's not, I mean, she, like, his parents are married and live together in Detroit, and so it's not like, you know, it's not like she has nowhere else to go. She right. just wants to be around him. Um, and I think that's wonderful on one hand, and that, but I also think on another hand that's probably really challenging for him. Yep. Um, you know, I, I just think there's suicide is something where, you know, the, it's different for, the, for those who survive than, than had you lost someone in an accident, right? Yes. There's so many questions that you're asking. There's so much you're wondering about. And, and Tom was talking about that, that there are moments where he looks at Cassius and he just realizes he's not all there. And, and how could he be? Right. How could he be? And, uh, 
so yeah who knows you know who knows where his mind went in in that moment and and it just it is heartbreaking because he's an awesome young guy i mean just no a question. pleasure to be around a great yes. student you know a kid who's admitted to harvard i mean he's like yeah. he does everything right and he's he's a great player and uh it just it, it breaks my heart uh, he's also a senior, and then you and I talked about this on Tuesday. It's been interesting. Cowan's a senior. Lamar Stevens is a senior. Cassius is a senior. Uh, what does it mean that in some areas, not all, but like Wesson came back for another year at Ohio State? What does it mean that it seems like instead of one and done, the league's a little older this year? A little bit, yeah. A, a I little, mean, there a were, little. Yeah. you know, there were there were a couple guys obviously last year who I think made some some questionable decisions, but yeah. but that's going to happen every year. I mean, that's just the the nature of this. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was something like eighty guys went early. Yes, last year, and and like forty of them went undrafted. Uh, that's rough numbers, but it, but it's somewhere in that neighborhood. I mean, um, you know, you're you're always going to have kids making bad decisions. But yeah, I mean, like for instance, even if it's a even if it's a sophomore, you know that Io Desumu came back. You know, he was on draft boards. He was a late first round, early second round guy. Yeah, good point. He came back, and of course they added Kofi Coburn, and it's like, wow, they're you know they're they're really good. Um, and and maybe they they certainly want to be at this level for sure yeah. without Io. You know, Lamar Stevens is another you know great example. Cassius. Again, I don't know whether Cassius was was really on NBA draft boards. He's a little bit of a weird player for the NBA just because of of his size. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely I think uh, Jalen Smith could have gone. Yes, that's that's a good right? one. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's another guy who who certainly NBA people probably would have taken a flyer on. So yeah, I mean, I I do think it's helped. I think it's be interesting to see what decisions some guys make this year. You know, like what does Xavier Tillman do now with with He's going to have two kids as of, you know, two weeks from now. Right. But, you know, like where does he fit in the NBA? I don't know. Is Kofi Coburn an NBA guy? Like, I'm not a huge NBA fan. Right. So I don't really, like, I don't look at it the same way. You know, I, I, I watch the playoffs, and that's pretty much it. You and, I, sense... <laughs> you and I are the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> but but my set, well, you know, I just have time. I got time this time of year <laughs> to, like, sit down and, and, you know, watch a random NBA yeah, game. Like, it, that's you that, know, yeah, yeah, it'd be fun to watch the Bucks and the Pelicans, but, sure. you know, I just don't have time. So, uh, but, but my sense is, like, that Kofi Coburn's going to have a hard time playing in the NBA. I mean, yeah. I know he's enormous. But I feel like they they don't fives don't look like that in the NBA anymore. No, you know he was he was born like ten years too late, unfortunately. Yeah. So he's got to expand his game. So does he decide to do that, or does he say, well, I'm just going to go somewhere and and make money. I, I want to make money. You know who knows. Um, but but I think they're going to be some, you know, Trace Jackson Davis. What what does he do? I mean, mm -hmm. he is a prototypical yeah, NBA. He sure player. is. So every year there's every year there's interesting uh, discussions and conversations. But I do think to your point. A lot of them worked out well for for teams that are contenders this year who got a piece back that maybe you had questions of whether or not they would. They did, and it's helped them immensely. Uh, the irony is that uh, we were there for Mark D'Antonio having his press conference the day he decided to retire from Michigan State as that football coach. Um, now, I'm, I'll freely admit to you, Dave, I wasn't surprised that no. uh, about this. I didn't think you would be either. But what do you think about that job moving forward? It's interesting. You know, Jerry and Howard were in yesterday because it was signing day, as you know. And so Jerry and I were talking a little bit about this. And he had some interesting takes on it. You know, he I, look, I, I think it's a much better job than it was when 
Mark got there. I think that he changed the perception of that program. There was kind of the same old Sparty, Sparty no, all that kind of stuff that, that people would joke about through the years where they would just do something kind of boneheaded and, and figure out a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. That is no longer Michigan State, you know, in much the same way that it's no longer Clemson. I think those are two programs that were kind of always associated with that. Uh, to win three Big Ten championships, to play in the college football playoff, to win a Rose Bowl, he really elevated the program. And I think he did it with toughness. I mean, they had a clear identity. Uh, Jerry's point was, I think whoever takes over that program has to embrace some of the, the new trends in college football a little more than Mark did. To, to go to get into some of these recruiting battles, to go after some of these you know high four star and five star guys, and to not necessarily see yourself exclusively as a developmental program, which I think to a large extent they did, um, to embrace the transfer portal, which you know to a large extent they have not, and and you know should they should they do that? Should they be in that game a little bit more? Should they open up the offense a bit? Um, you know the guys they're talking about are defensive guys when you hear Fickle and Narduzzi, and I know Narduzzi says he's not coming, but, you know, like, I'll, I'll wait until this <laughs> the tire's made, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see where everyone is. Uh, but, um, but anyway, like, but, you know, even if you do hire one of those guys, who do they hire as their offensive coordinator? What is their philosophy that they take? Are they a little more wide open? Do they adapt in much the way that James Franklin, for instance, has adapted his offense and, right. and become a much more dynamic football team as a result. So, I, I think it's a good job. I mean, I've, I, you know, think that that Mark has changed it. I, I still think that in the kind of natural pecking order of the East Division, it's the fourth job. And and I, I don't know whether that will ever change. And it could be the fourth job, and you can come in first place. Like That's those right. two are not mutually exclusive, you know. But I'm just saying, in terms of resources, in terms of history. In terms of all of those things, it's clear that Penn State, and Ohio State, and Michigan are ahead of them. That doesn't, but you know they've been a better program than Michigan for the overwhelming mm-hmm. majority of the time that D'Antonio has been there. Even though Michigan has all those built-in advantages over them, so if you get another guy who really knows what he's doing and embraces the place and the identity of the place, there's no reason to think it can't continue. Great respect for you always, my friend. You are among the best. We appreciate your time very much, and I always enjoy any time I spend with you. Right back at you, Steve. Always an absolute pleasure. It was great to see you, and I wish I had more Penn State games this year because they've <laughs> they've given me two of the uh, best games I've called in years this season. So, But we'll look forward to seeing them in the Big Ten tournament, and I firmly believe seeing them in the NCAA tournament. I think we're getting almost to the point where there's no question of that, and that's pretty cool. It is. Thanks so much, Dave. All right, my friend. Talk to you later, you Steve. Dave Refson, BTN, back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Well, thanks to Neil Kulong, USA Today, and to Dave Refson, Big Ten Network. Joining us over the past hour. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone. We haven't mentioned it once today. It's not like some moves weren't made. D'Angelo Russell going to the Minnesota Timberwolves for... Andrew Wiggins, 
to Golden State in. The the, um, T-Wolves make a deal. You know, Andre Iguodala ended up going to Miami. But I, I think when you look at the NBA, you know, Andre Drummond got dealt as well. I forgot about that one. I just saw Tim Frazier of the Pistons on uh, uh, Tuesday night. He was at the game. Uh, James Ennis traded by the Sixers to Orlando for a second-round pick. Hmm. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15. To work. Great to have you with us. On the show today, Sunbury Motors, by the way, when it comes to product line, the best. When it comes to uh, a staff, that you know, a sales staff that really, really cares, uh, they're the best. And when it comes to a service department, same story. They're the best. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us today. Our thanks to Dave Revson of BTN, who joined us in the previous half hour. And also our thanks to Neil Kulong, who joined us from 3.35 to uh, uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, appreciate both of them for joining us on the show today. So, All right. Uh, and uh, the NBA trade deadline has come and gone. Now, the reason we haven't delved into this, that's my printer, Matt. Uh, I was wondering what that was. It's amazing. (laughs) It's like, you know, trying to tell me, it says printer not responding. Oh, it's responding. All right. I hate printers too. So I feel your pain. I'm just trying to keep it from going insane. I usually just give it a whack. That's what usually helps me. You know, it's made from uh, it's actually made from cheap Russian parts, <laughs> and so all it understands is force. Well, there you, know? you go. See, with me, That's force like, and technology sometimes works. Well, no, it's just, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, you, you get like a a recommendation from somebody, you know, and the suit said this would be good. Like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's, he's kind of a scary guy. And yet, like, you put, like, your entire deal into him. I worry. I, I'm just scary. He said, this will be a great printer. I recommend this. Now, like an idiot, I said, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He has nothing to do with this printer. You know? So, there's nothing to do with it at all. This is driving me nuts. Is this a little uh, game prep for Saturday that we're working on here? Well, it is the game prep, and I can't get it. I've got Penn State's chart printed out. I can't get Minnesota's chart to print out. Like, okay, you know, so far this is going really well. <laughs> you know. 
It'll do. It'll pull this. Uh, we're offline right now. No, you're really not. <laughs> I hate That's, that. Oh, it's just playing a game with you. You know, game's not fun. Yeah. Where's the game with me? <laughs> Wish you could just sit there and just put it in there. And, I mean, every once in a while, you feel like I'm really fortunate with this thing. I'll probably have to get a new printer here at some point, but you know, as of right now. You know, there's a little four-letter word you'd like to use right now when it comes to this printer. Junk. <laughs> That's probably the word you can say on the air. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well. Uh, I mean, because I've already got the game ready. I mean, it's not like, you know. And, yeah, do I refer to this stuff sometimes? Yeah, usually I have it committed to memory. Yeah, okay. So I usually have that. You know, so I usually have it committed to memory in some way. But it's there in case I need it. That's, oh well. We don't talk about the NBA trade deadline, or really a lot of NBA, because let's be honest about it, it's not a big deal here with our fan base. It's just not. Um, and it's not a big deal. You know what? What's interesting about this is that the that ESPN is paying $1.4 billion a year for the NBA. So naturally, if you're going to pay $1.4 billion, you're going to do everything in your power, everything, to get people to watch it. So no, it's get them interested. What's a big deal? What's a... You know, what's going on in the league, the news. That's where Woj comes in, and, and he's great. News and notes every other day is fabulous. And he does exactly what ESPN needs. But the bottom line is, even, I mean, some of these trades here, I'll give you, I was talking with Corey Povis, who is the play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Twins. And Corey also does some Big Ten Network games. The last one he did was uh, Penn State, Nebraska. So I just saw Corey, what, 10 days ago. And a little bit earlier in the season, the two of us were talking. And he said when he moved to Minnesota a few years ago, and he said it's a great place to raise a family as young kids, he said, you know, I was kind of wondering how everything fit in around here. He says, oh, my goodness. It is the Vikings first the Vikings second, the Vikings third, the Vikings fourth, and the Vikings fifth. So the trade made by the Minnesota Timberwolves, where they take Wiggins and they ship him to Golden State for D'Angelo Russell, probably is just a ripple in the pond in Minneapolis, where they're affected by the trade because... They're still talking about the Vikings' playoff failure. So even in Minneapolis, a trade like that, that you know, is one of the bigger trades that was made in terms of name players. I mean, Wiggins, a former first overall pick. Russell's a former second overall pick. You know, you know, Wiggins has been no better than a good player in the NBA, which, by the way, when he was drafted by Cleveland, then he shipped him to Minnesota for uh, Kevin Love. He was in that trade, so he never played for the Cavaliers. I said, look, I said, this guy is a hard worker. He'll work, 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 work. I said, but guess what? I mean, he's no better than an average 
offensive player. I said, he's, so in the NBA, that's what he's going to be. Well, that's what he's been. Russell, of course, I saw him play at Ohio State. He was out of Louisville. They somehow got him to Ohio State. He played his one year. He went to the NBA. There's no doubt he has offensive skill, but when he went to the Lakers, he just it just didn't go well. He did not fit in there. Now, to his credit, when he went to Brooklyn, played a lot better, and then he was able to get the deal with Golden State. Well, now they ship him. But again, even in San Francisco, they're waiting for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. They're not having a good year, and even though they're in a brand-new arena in San Francisco because they don't play in Oakland any longer, it's been a lost season for Golden State. And there's probably exponentially more talk in that area about the 49ers. So even in towns that are cities that are affected by these NBA trades, it goes under the radar. It's not as if the Lakers made a deal. If the Lakers made a deal, that would be huge because the Lakers in Los Angeles are a gigantic deal. They're a bigger deal than the Dodgers. They're a bigger deal than the Rams. The Lakers are the deal in Los Angeles. They really are. The Celtics, yeah, they've got a huge following in Boston, but the reality is the Red Sox and Patriots have more cachet. The Knicks, they're no factor. Even in Philadelphia, I think sometimes you wonder if there are more Flyers fans than Sixers fans. And, of course, the Eagles own the town. The Eagles own the town. We can talk about the Phillies all we want. The Eagles own the town. That is true, Steve, but actually the Sixers are number two. And sometimes have competed with the Eagles here and there. Like, actually, well, right, are, and actually right are, now the argument are, has been... They, let's, uh, they are not remotely competing with the Eagles. Well, I mean, they're number two in the even, town. I can tell you that. Right? They don't even remotely. I mean, you go to you listen to a talk show down there. Do you think they're talking about the Sixers? Right now, I would uh, right now I would say they are. Probably still well, some talking, Eagles here and there, but uh, I'd say Sixers are mostly the conversation right now. There's actually the the Eagles the, own that town. Oh they yeah, there's no question about it. Yeah, they own it. They own it. But there's a lot of frustration with the Sixers right now. In fact, the argument's becoming, when are we going to start paying more attention to the Flyers now than the Sixers? Because the Flyers are doing better than the Sixers right now. But if the Eagles make any kind of news at all, any kind of news, right? when the draft's coming, they'll talk more about the draft, I'll bet, than they talk about the Sixers. And the Sixers will be in the playoffs. Because the Eagles own the town. Detroit, you think they talk about the Pistons? Oh, contraire, mon frere. The red, they talk about the Red Wings before they talk about the Pistons. Minneapolis, like I said, I was talking to Corey. I mean, Corey does the Twins. Twins won 100 games last year. But the Vikings own the town. Own it. Timberwolves? Yeah. Just, I mean, even in cities... Like, take the Mavericks. Cuban is is one of those dynamic owners, right? Dynamic. Makes news, the whole deal. He's not even the most dynamic owner in the city. It's Jerry Jones. It's the Cowboys. It's the Cowboys first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Then the Mavericks are probably number two, and then it's the Rangers. Then finally the Dallas Stars. But it's the Cowboys first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Maybe in sixth place, now you get to the Mavericks. And the Mavericks have won a championship more recently than the uh, Cowboys have. 
it's just the way it is. The I mean, now Los Angeles is different. The Lakers own the city. That's their the Lakers own Los Angeles. The Rams don't. Dodgers don't. Do I embarrass the conversation and bring up the Chargers? No. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way it is. I mean, the Knicks are like a soap opera. The Nets are in Brooklyn. No offense. I mean, the awesome arena. Uh, they got Irving. They got Durant. But the Knicks make more headlines than the Nets do. I'm just saying, they're pouring a lot of money in, and I do not in any way, shape, or form blame ESPN. That's a gigantic investment. And the NBA uh, Finals have been, I'll draw the World Series. Oh, by the way, speaking of baseball for a moment, I just mentioned the World Series. Did you see that Rob Manfred and the owners are considering the Tampa Bay-Montreal thing? That they're actually considering it. Wow. I did not Are see that. Are you kidding me? That's I atrocious. Be- I heard that on Sirius XM. I couldn't believe it. You, you have to be kidding me. Yeah. Let's see. Manfred met sale from Will Pons to Cohen off. Oh, what a bummer. Didn't even know it was happening. I just, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, Major League Baseball is actually having some consideration in order to save, they, they feel to save the Tampa Bay franchise that they would have to do this. Wow. Wow. He says, I am 100% convinced, and more importantly, the owners have been convinced by Rays owner Stu Sternberg, this is the best way to keep Major League Baseball on Tampa Bay. <laughs> That's just ludicrous. I I just, I can't picture it. I mean, if they want to move the team to Montreal, fine. I completely get why... The Tampa Bay thing isn't working. I get it. It, it, You have so many people that have moved to Florida that when the Rays play a game, hey, great, hey, I grew up in uh, Connecticut. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to go watch the Red Sox-Rays game. I mean, the Rays don't have a lot of their own fans. It's a fraudulent fan base down there. Well, I think it's just... Again, no matter where you go, Matt, say you get a job in New Mexico, all right? Say you get a job there. You're always going to be a Phillies fan, right? I mean, right. So, okay, so, okay, so no, uh, let's, let's make it a better example. You get a job and you're in Scottsdale, Arizona. Are you a Diamondbacks fan? No, I'm a Yankees no, fan. You're a Yankees fan. I mean, it's just the way it's going to be. That's what you grew up liking and enjoying. 
And that is that's the problem that these franchises have that go into these areas. Yes, you put Major League Baseball into those areas, and guess what? The fan base already is rooting for somebody else. It takes a long time. Now, the Braves have been in Atlanta since 1966. So now you have an entire generation of fans, 54 years later, that have grown up on nothing but Braves baseball. Well, that's how long it takes. And the Braves helped themselves, too, because they ended up being really, really good. Which, in the end, you need. I mean, I realize that, for example, Arizona has won a World Series. So that converted some people over. But anybody that moves in there is going to feel the same way. If I if suddenly I got a job in Phoenix tomorrow, I can't, you know, hey, I'm hoping the Red Sox on a crossover game are playing the Diamondbacks because I'll go to the game, and guess what? I'm not going to watch Arizona. You know, and again, baseball did the right thing by going to Phoenix. You know, I think they did the right thing with some of the expansion they did going to Denver. I'll say this about the Rockies: the Rockies, when they got a franchise, Colorado had its own fans. Like you know, they they were Colorado Rockies fans right away. All right, we'll wrap it up in a moment because I know you're big fans of all these segments here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. yourself together wrong button get yourself together man whoops <laughs> ah, i feel like i'm back to nine years ago all right so <laughs> no it's not funny well maybe it is oh my goodness all right well great to have you with us on the show today our thanks to Neil Kulong joined us from 3.35 to 4 o'clock talking about the NFL and to Dave Refson from BTN talking about what has been a phenomenal Big Ten basketball season. Phenomenal. Uh, Coach's show coming up tonight. Patrick Chambers and women's ice hockey coach Jeff Campersall will be on the show this evening. From Manny Brothers in downtown State College. I'm sure they'll find some idiot off the streets to host the show. Oh, wait. That's me. Okay. Uh, and that's coming up tonight. We also had a very intriguing discussion to open the show in the battle between Doug, broadcast professional, and the suit, pseudo award winner, uh, about. Wendy's versus Chick-fil-A. I did not realize the suit had a Chick-fil-A rewards card. That he does. I didn't know that. I mean, I did not realize. And I guess words come down. I, I got a note from the people at Chick-fil-A. I guess now he's a, he's like a, a 1% shareholder because of sales. If we had one it, here in this area, they would be advertising with this probably. Even if they didn't buy anything, they would be. 
<laughs> and might as well be the sponsor of our Bucknell football road trips. Yeah. In the end, who wins that battle? Kevin, because we always find a way to stop there either before and or after our trip. How many miles out of your way do you go? We usually keep it to no more than two. So he keeps it respectable. Well, when did he change that standard? That I can't tell you because that's a, that's been the standard since I've been on I've been a fill in on the broadcast. Just kidding. <laughs> Kidding. I mean, yes. When's the next uh, Shikolemi basketball game? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to say Saturday, but I'm just guessing. Okay. Well, today's show's been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our thanks to Dave Repson and Neil Kulong. Back with you tomorrow on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.